As conversations grow louder about representation, authentic voices, and cultural appropriation and dilution in the media, I'm joined today by a powerful and impactful woman who has been at the helm at one of the most successful entertainment global platforms, Jasmine Brand. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sile Bolani. Today, we're in conversation with the Jasmine Brand, who is an entertainment journalist, TV commentator, and founder of an entertainment website that is the leading source of pop culture, black culture, and entertainment news, thejasminebrand.com. Jasmine created the entertainment site in 2010 while working in corporate America. Corporate America to fill her void for journalism and pop culture. And it has now grown into a media company featuring A-list entertainers such as Gabrielle Union and Kevin Hart, and sourced by media outlets such as USA Today, New York Times, The View, and Wendy Williams. With a current staff complement of over 30, Jasmine now operates the jasminebrand.com with her business partner while hosting celebrity and entertainment events across Los Angeles, San Francisco, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., and New York City. Jasmine, welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. You know, your intro was amazing. And I'm like, who is she talking about? Like, oh, it's me. Okay. <laughs> yes, me, yes. You it. better own all of that. This is an, I mean, it's an amazing profile that you've built for yourself. But for those, uh, you know, of, of my listeners who may not, you know, uh, know about you or about the Jasmine Brand website, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background? Um. Well, I was... Uh, born in the states and um, i was born in omaha nebraska i spent most of my life in washington dc i live in la now i started this site as a hobby um i, I have a regular degree i had a uh a regular job when i started the site i had a um a marketing i was a marketing director mm. um at the time that i started the site and we kind of uh cover the latest in celebrity news gossip entertainment so that's just kind of my general background. It's nothing, nothing too exciting. <laughs> so what drew you to media? Um, and what was it like for you juggling a nine to five and a side hustle? Well, what drew me to media is um, I was in public relations when I first graduated um, college. So I kind of was in media in that way, which is kind of like media adjacent where you work with media sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> and I wanted to start a blog and I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I always knew how to write. I knew how I knew marketing and that sort of thing. And I was always intrigued by how people were so fa- fascinated with celebrity culture and, mm-hmm. ce- and celebs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is um, maybe I can, you know, maybe I can cover like entertainment news because I couldn't really under I couldn't figure out what I wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. And I never was super intrigued by by, by celebrities. I was more interested in music, but I decided to kind of talk about celebrities and cover that way um, because I know people are so fascinated by celebs. Mm. So, you know, initially I started, um, I was a marketing director at the time at a, a company. And so I would just kind of do a few stories a day um, and I would do them. I'd wake up early in the morning, maybe like five in the morning. And I'd you know, I'd write a few stories. I'd go to work on my lunch break. I'd go across the street um, to Starbucks and I'd write and then I'd come back and I would just do that 
you know, you know, it was just, you know, it was just kind of a fun thing to do. Mm. And so um, I was in Washington, D.C. And so I started breaking some of the bigger stories in D.C. that that concerns like black celebs. And mm. so like they're like black athletes. And, you know, I would kind of break those stories. So the, the site started growing popularity mm. um, and it just kind of started taking off from there. It just kind of happened you know, an accident it was not, it never, it was never intentional. I never wanted to, to do it full time. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, my, my best friend was like, this is going to be so cool when you can do this full time. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, that wasn't the plan. Mm-hmm. Cause I, you know, I just, I did it for fun. It was sort of like a hobby. Um, so, but it was in the beginning, it was really hard sort of juggling doing both. Um, but it, you know, I didn't have any pressure, mm-hmm. so it wasn't that bad, but I just started kind of seeing the type of traffic I was getting. So mm. it was kind of like a self-competition thing that sort of that sort of happened gradually over time. Mm. So what influenced your decision to finally leave your job and pursue your entrepreneurial journey full time? Well, um, I kind of felt like I was forced to because I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I liked my I, I didn't mind my nine to five. I mean, it wasn't the most fun thing, but I liked getting paid on the 15th and the 30th. I liked yeah. insurance and benefits. <laughs> Um, I never really wanted to be an entrepreneur and my dad is an entrepreneur. Um, and so he would always ask me like, you know, when are you going to do your own thing? And I'm like, no, I'm cool. Like I like the security of my job or whatever. And so the site had grown popularity and then, um, they, my job had found out about the site and felt like it was a conflict of interest. I think at the time we had did like a, it was just not we, it was me. It was just just me doing the site at the time. Mm. And I think I had did a story about Kim Kardashian. It was like a nude shoot that she did or something like that. And mm. they kind of felt like it was a, a conflict of interest because I was a marketing director and I was like the spokesperson for the company. And they just kind of felt like it was inappropriate. So like they essentially told me I had to choose. Mm. And so, you know, I didn't even really think about when they told me I had to choose. I was like, oh, I guess I'm quitting. It had yeah. never even, it was never like anything I contemplated like that. Mm. You know, I remember having a conversation with my mom and my mom was like, well, do you want to wait and, you know, maybe save up your money? And the type of person that I am, I always have been very scared that I would miss my window of opportunity. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. I always felt like you have this window and you have to take advantage of it. And I felt like I could always go back to corporate America. And Mm -hmm. I felt like some, there are some things in life that you have a window for. And I felt like this is my window and I feel like I'm back into a corner and I feel like, I feel like they low key are like challenging me. I kind of, I kind of <laughs> was insulted by it. Like, you think mm-hmm. I'm gonna, cha- I'm gonna choose you, yeah. sort of thing. Um, so I just, you know, when they said it to me, I was just like, okay, all right. So I remember going home, and I remember kind of figuring out, okay, like how much money do I have to make in order so I can survive? Because mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't. It wasn't a plan, so I didn't. I hadn't saved. I had a decent amount of money in the bank, but I still, I, I had a house in DC, and I had an apartment. I had a luxury car. You know, I didn't live, I didn't live lean at all because I didn't have to. I had nice things. Mm. Um, and so I was just trying to figure out. So I was like calculating, okay, this is my car note. This is my rent. Like I was just calculating. I was like, okay, I just need to make this. Cool. And I just kind of just quit. Like it was mm. no, you know, I didn't really think it through. I had no business plan. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about filing my taxes. I didn't have a EIN number. I just, it really was something that I felt like um, I had to do. And I just was not prepared for it mm. to be good. A hundred percent honest. Mm. And so how do I mean, it, you start up this the site and obviously initially it's not generating any revenue. Um, so how 
were you able to begin building your business to a point where it starts to bring in the money that you need um, and the money that you need for it to grow as well? How did I start to make money? Yes. Yeah. So what was that journey um, for you? Well, you know, it was really, um, you know, the way sites work and like a lot of things in terms of like media, the more traffic you have the more money you can make in terms of advertising and so I would I just started we just started generating more traffic but I still really didn't understand how advertising worked like that and I remember um I think I would make like at the beginning I was making like a few hundred dollars a a month right and then like some some of the um some of the companies that would do like the third-party third-party advertisements you had to have a certain amount of traffic to even join the group and I remember thinking like damn I can't even join this you know I can't even get accepted so I can make Mm -hmm. ads or whatever but it kind of took some time to, as the you know, as the traffic grew, we were able to make money. And then I think around the third or fourth year, um, I brought on my business partner, Meyer Fado. He co-owns the site, and I had met him. He was doing uh, like he was working with other businesses. He has a really strong um, financial background, mm-hmm. and he was working with Sister Sister Magazine at the time. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but. Um, he had a relationship with them. So he kind of knew that world a little bit. He does other things too. So I kind of teamed up with him. And before I decided to bring him on, he was asking me, you know, questions about like, you know, uh, you know, business questions, like things I had never thought about things I had never answered. And that really helped turn the blog into a a site. And, and, you know, I I was able to bring in staff and pay tech, you know, it just Mm kind of, it brought the business to the next level, but it really was just about, increasing the traffic so that I could start to make money. Mm, mm, absolutely. Now, you know, in, in all in all industries, there are various, you know, challenges that we may need to overcome, especially if we are new entrants into that particular space. And the media yeah. space just across the world, no matter what country you go to, you know, you're likely to find that it's predominantly owned by white people right Right. so what has your experience been as a black woman in media what have some of the challenges or lessons been for you in this space you know I feel I don't know if there are challenges in terms of me being a woman but more so about me being black and us being a black owned media outlet um I just feel like um the treat in terms of like you know, it's a number of things like, you know, how black outlets are treated on red carpets, how they, Mm -hmm. you know, put us towards the end of the carpet and, you know, they'll go to all these non-black sites, you know, on the carpet and they'll give black outlets like 30 seconds or, you know, these black, even, and it'll happen like black, how black talent treats black outlets, you know, they'll break their stories with, you know, non-black outlets Mm -hmm. and, or, you know, sometimes they'll, you know, they'll, you know, these shows and networks, they'll spend, buku dollars with the um or advertising with non-black outlets mm. so it's more so i don't know if i don't know if it's about being a woman but i definitely feel like it's about you know being a black owned media company mm. and you know i remember a few years ago um i remember there being this huge conversation about inclusion and you know the lack of black people on tv and mm. the, the lack of black representation and i felt like nobody was talking about how black media is treated and mm. i still feel that like feel like that currently i don't know if that's an international thing but it's a hundred percent uh you know here in the states or whatever so but that's kind of been my experience but it's it's definitely it hasn't stopped it, you know it's it's ongoing and mm. it's a challenge 
that's super, super frustrating um, for me personally. Mm, mm. Understandably so. Now, when you, you know, throughout your journey from the beginning, um, you know, you, you, you chose to focus on, you know, black culture, celebrity culture, pop culture. Did you consider how your role can influence the imagery around black people and black culture? Um, you know, I, do I consider it? Yes. You know, I think, well, let me say this. So it's not, I, I, you know, we have a staff. I don't really write like that anymore, Mm. but I feel like we're conscious of, um, we're conscious of it, but at the same time, I feel like we have to, uh, be accurate in how we report, Mm. uh, black stories. So I feel like if there, we have to show balance. Mm. Um, and I think, I think in that way, you know, we kind of consider how we influence the imagery, but I, we just try to create balance, but be accurate Mm. about what we're, um, what we're covering and how we're covering it. Mm. And I just in general, when I started the site, when it was me writing, I would always try to be not biased mm. um, and uh, not insert my opinion um, and let the reader co- sort of do that. But I, I, we definitely try to provide balance to what we're doing. Mm. Now, you launched um, your your site in 2010, and you currently have a staff complement of over 30 people. How have you been able to sustain and scale your business over the years? Uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, just, um, just uh, trying to be lean mm-hmm. I, um, in terms of, like, financially how we spend our money, you know. I think we have to um, always evaluate you know, uh, what, what we're going to get a return in on the short, short term and the long term. Mm-hmm. So like maybe we're investing in a new part of the business. Um, and there is going to be a long-term, potentially a long-term return. Then, you know, we would consider that if there's not, you know, a return, we kind of got to figure that out. We have to figure out, um, you know, what, what we're really to spend, what we're willing to spend our money on and is it mm-hmm. worth it? Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know we, you know, I, just personally, I am very, uh, I am very conservative in terms of spending my money because mm. I, I, I'm an entrepreneur, so I have to, you know, it's not just me. I got to, I don't, I'm not worried about paying myself. I'm worried about, you know, our staff or whatever. So we just have to. We could do a lot more. We could have a bigger staff, but we're mm. really lean in terms of like what we do financially mm. um, for the site. So that's, I think, how we were able to. Uh, to scale. And also we always try to function under, um, you know, like, you know how people, the kind of advice people give you sometimes personally is like live below your means. And that's just how we try to operate in terms of business too. Okay. And now you've been in this business for 10 years now. Um, Mm -hmm. what are some of the, 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 the lessons that I guess you've learned in terms of what the non-negotiables are for you as far as growing your business is concerned? What have been some of the key lessons that you've learned about running uh, and growing your business? Um, you know, I, I think one of the biggest lessons is, you know, we have to we have to do what works for, for us for us in terms of business. Like other businesses, maybe or outlets or media companies, maybe may be able to operate differently, mm-hmm. and we kind of have to not be concerned what other businesses are doing, but more more so what works for us and what's the good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just not being worried about what other 
other businesses are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to kind of be focused on what you're doing. And um, I think that's that's essentially it. I mean, there are things like, you know, time and consistency and, you know, that kind of thing. But that's, I think, essentially is kind of just being focused on what works for your particular business at terms mm-hmm. as in term as you know as opposed to seeing what everyone else is doing and mm. thinking like maybe we should do that or you know yeah. that kind of thing mm. now there've been so many um entertainment and and culture related online platforms and blogs that have kind of popped up over the years um some are still going strong some have fallen away um but how have you been able to set the jasminebrand.com apart from other platforms how have you been able to create that particular space you know for yourselves well it's really just been about um trying to work uh trying to be ethical in a dirty business, <laughs> um, just trying to, you know, just, just trying to be ethical, um, you know, being consistent, uh, being focused, um, trying to be kind and it's, it's tough in this business, but I think that's kind of what set us apart. And also I, people trust us. So there's certain, certain things that if we report on, they have, they have a, a sense of trust with us because we don't make things up. Um, we bet our stories, we bet our exclusives. And I think we have, and it's really about relationships too, mm-hmm. in terms of like some of the content and some of the stories we get mm-hmm. has become because of some of the relationships we, we have. So I think it's, I think people trust us and I think mm-hmm. we just kind of, you know, had laser focus on, on, on what we're doing and not being concerned with the, ch- the chatter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really it's just about, you know, I just really credit God for everything we've been able to do. Mm. um and be around it's super it's a blessing to still be around and making money and growing it's it honestly is a blessing um in general absolutely now people often warn about using your own name for your business or your platforms because of the potential reputational risks um yeah but your website is you um your hair as part of your brand. Um, How did you decide to make these decisions and how has it worked out for you over the years? I hate that I named the site the Jasmine brand. Mm. I I just, you know, some people, you know, think it's great and, you know, I just, like I said, when I started the site, I did not think it was going to turn into this thing. Mm. Um, And so I probably would have named it something else. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it has served me well thus far, but I, I kind of, once I look back, I really, uh, wish that I had really thought through it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, you know, it's, go, ahead, go ahead. No, go for it. Uh, okay. I, you know, I wish I would have kind of thought through it more. Mm. Um, I did the, I did the pink hair thing. First of all, I, you know, at the time I feel like there were a few sites that had, there had names attached mm. to it right mm. so it wasn't that you know it wasn't that far-fetched to name the site after myself you know um and then it was just me so it just kind of was like okay it's just me you know um and but now that I, now you know I used to have my picture on this like you know people people would know who I was mm. now people I feel like are not as familiar with as with you know who I am because I've had them take my picture down I'm you know we got a full staff and stuff like that so I've, I've try to like distance my myself in terms of that way mm. um but it's still called the jasmine brand 
So people still think it's me writing the stories and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it probably is a blessing in disguise. I did the, the pink hair thing because... I uh, wanted to stand out on the red carpet mm. and I just like, you know what, you know, what can make it easier for me? This is when I first started the site. So I remember going into the hair salon. I was like, oh, I'll do like this. Um, I'll do like a pink patch because I had like a natural. First of all, I had locks for like 10 or 12 years before I started the site mm. and I cut my, my locks off and I just wore a natural and I had dyed it blonde or something. And then so I went in the hair salon. I'm like, I want to do like a patch of color. So maybe like something weird. So it stands out. And so everybody in the salon voted on pink. So I just kind of went with pink. <laughs> so, um, so that kind of just made me stand out. And then now I feel like it's like it helps people recognize who I am. Mm. And so, you know, it's, you know, it's fine. I don't mind it. If I don't want people to recognize me or, you know, ask me any questions, I just cover my hair. And honestly, people don't even really focus on my face. So if I cover my hair, people won't recognize me at all. Mm. So it's fine. You know, it's just, I feel like it's just like a, a part of branding. Um, I remember Niecy Nash, the actress, used to do the flower on the side of her hair. Yes. And I thought that was cool. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of where, where that sort of thing stood from. Okay. And now, you know, being in the entertainment media space, um, you know, one would think that, you know, lawsuits are something that you probably um, are faced with every now and then, if not often. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Was this something that ever concerned you through your journey uh, with the jasminebrand.com? Um, it didn't concern me when I first started because I didn't, I didn't know any better. Mm. And then I start, we started, you know, being served and, you know, so initially it wasn't anything that I was concerned with at all because I just wasn't aware. Mm. Um, but now it's a, you know, it's, it's pretty typical. Um, and you know, we're pretty, um, educated on the law mm. in terms of our rights and how we need, how we can protect ourselves. And that's why we don't run, run certain things. Mm. Um, and we have a, we have an attorney on deck and that's pricey too, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's something that you have to, you know, you have to be responsible with your reporting and that's just part of growth. And, you know, before we first started, I don't think people cared about what we said, but you mm. know, you, you know, or what we reported as you grow, you have a different responsibility. You have more people looking, so you have to protect yourselves and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And what, I mean, we're now in a space where we're seeing more and more uh, black people speaking up, using their platforms, um, you know, to communicate whatever it is that they want to communicate, to share their beliefs. Um, everybody's a content creator. Everybody is, you know, they, everybody's got a cell phone and they're able to break their own stories if they happen to be at the right place at the right time and there's the right celebrity there um but what do you think um what opportunities do you think exist or can be created for and by black voices and opinions within the media space well i think i think the opportunities are endless because you can create your own content and you have a phone you don't need you know, anything extravagant. I, I think you can do anything you want to do, honestly. And, um, you know, you don't have that lim- that limitation. When I first started um, the site, it wasn't, uh, I mean, obviously we had cell phones and things like that, but there weren't people like really active. The Instagram wasn't around, Twitter was around, but they weren't, there weren't all these different platforms. Mm. Um, YouTube was around. So people were doing like YouTubes and stuff like um, videos and stuff like that. But I just mm. feel like now you can, you can create your own movie off of your iPhone. You can do whatever you want to do. 
So there really aren't any excuses. And it's, you know, the, the sky's the limit, essentially. Mm, absolutely. And so what do you see for the future of the jasminebrand.com and for Jasmine Brand, the person? Um, in terms of the business, I just want us to continue to grow. We're working on a few new projects now. Um, in terms of, you know, things that we're doing digitally, shows and and different things like that. Um, so we're just continuing to grow and kind of explore other options. Mm. And then um, in terms of me personally, you know, I just want to continue to, to grow on the business side and, mm. and maybe delve into some other things in terms of business. Um, I'll continue to do on-camera things, but I am interested in like providing other people opportunities to be on camera and doing more things behind the scenes so Mm. and in terms of you know I guess the diversity um, within the media space I mean you mentioned earlier the issue around you know where uh, black uh, publications are positioned on red carpets what do you think needs to happen for um, there to be better um, or make better strides as far as inclusion is concerned um, for, you know, Black-owned media? Um, I think we need to start with having a conversation mm. um, at the bare minimum. And, you know, if we decide not to cover a certain project or a certain celebrity, um, that makes noise as well. And we've done that before. But doing it as a collective is probably mm. helpful, mm. too. But it's not, I don't think it's any easy answer that's going to happen overnight. Mm. But, you know, you start hitting people's pockets, people will start listening. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a firm believer in collective effort because that's, you know, yes. we, the strength is in our numbers. And that's when we truly are mm-hmm. able to be impactful. Yep, I agree. So for anybody who would like to connect with you online, uh, where can they find you? Um, we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that is the Jasmine brand. Of course, um, you can visit the set, the website, the jasminebrand.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me, Jasmine. Thank you. I'm actually have I'm like killing two birds with one stone. I'm actually having my hair braided. So I'm like, thank God I don't have to do video right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Workplace Revolution with me, Sile Polani. I will see you again next time.